This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I'm Alex Pearson. Great to have you here. We've got our counterpoint and plenty to talk about. Let's bring in Bob Richardson, senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hello there. Hello. And Anthony Fury, who you can read in the Sun Post Media. Happy New Year to you both. I almost wish Friday was the new Monday as much as I wish Monday was the new Friday. (laughs) There you go, eh? Oh, boy. Um, We were just chatting about elder care in in the segment before because the headline came up that um, long-term care homes are pressuring the Ford government that if they're going to trim the fat, then they would like to get rid of the mandatory inspections in long-term care facilities. They cite things like the paperwork has just become too much. I get that. But I think, and I'll start with you on this, Bob, I think it'd be a major misstep if they got rid of inspections. In fact, this is the area they should be increasing them. I think it's a disaster, and they should not do that. And this is what happens when you get too ideological and launch these great, quote, red tape commissions. And by the way, the McGinty government did one too as well. So it's not just these characters. Mm -hmm. So... um, so you know what? There's there's a reason why we have a number of, of laws in place, a number of regulations in place. Protecting seniors is one. Uh, protecting things like water is one so that you don't get into fiascos like Walkerton. And there are a whole variety of others that have happened, by the way, under governments of all stripes. So I think we need to be cautious here. The last people that I would be giving any sort of slack to are the folks who are managing seniors because you know what they have not proven themselves to be you know that terrific left on their own so we need massive public accountability there and i wouldn't give an inch yeah i i agree with bob on this and i don't know what the ford government will do i mean look i think they can go a long way in getting rid of the red tape but again we have the proof i mean you could only use elizabeth wetlawfer as the example of what goes wrong when people are watching you know alex i thought the story was going to be that they're say monthly inspections say these are annual inspections and they want to get rid of that and i i agree with what bob's saying i mean there there may be an opportunity to look at this and, and i understand some people are complaining that there's an excess of red tape and then they say uh, of paperwork and they say we're spending so much time with the paperwork that it means we can't do you know direct care and so forth i find it hard to believe that the people compiling the paperwork are also the frontline nurses but anyway if there's a way to decrease the paperwork to decrease certain components of that annual review then this should probably be a part of that conversation but i do find the idea of scrapping just an annual an annual One. review it's not that big of a deal it seems to be a, a bit much I, I don't understand how these things aren't aren't investigated like every i thought they were investigated every three months i mean it's bad enough that they still don't have sprinklers in most of these homes i mean it's just how how we just yeah Uh, i I just know in my own personal situation when my mom went into a senior's home yeah um and you know i visited regularly and we paid extra money and it was a very nice home and so on and so forth third of the residents there weren't visited by anyone Mm -hmm. Or very rarely, rarely, and I think the quality of care that those people got 
was less than the care that my mom got and a variety of other people who were uh, visited regularly. So let me tell you, I just, my personal experience was I would not do this under any way, shape, or fashion. But it's not until you find yourself, Anthony, in that personal situation. We just went through it with my stepdad. It is a horrible situation to find yourself in having to put someone in one of these things. But uh, quite frankly, I was disgusted with what I saw. Yeah. yeah, and we we had a similar situation uh, a, a decade ago with grandparents who were who were dying and watching that, and, and I saw that unfold. And you know, it's an interesting point Bob uh, Bob makes that this one annual review visit for some of these people might be their only visit. It is yeah. incredibly sad, but it's also you know if you're going there weekly, they know okay, we got to keep uh, this lady's room nice because the parents are uh, the, the the children are always checking in on her. If there's nobody ever checking in, even once a year, then you can let it completely uh, go to pot. So uh, from that point, yeah, I see a, a once a year visit. It, incredibly important. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking to a judge calling for the elimination of random street checks, saying it generates only low quality intelligence and alienates certain communities. This is Justice Talek that we are talking about. And he read his 310 uh, page report today saying that he found little to no evidence that these random unfocused, um, you know, checks actually collect or identify information which benefits um because the the social cost of the practice seems to be too much. But when you talk to police officers about this, they'll say it's simply not true that carding and street checks are, first of all, very different, and that working off a hunch is a very crucial part of the job. We had sh- three shootings overnight, three shootings last night, and a gunfight in a residential area. So the violence that we're seeing does not match what we are hearing in this report. I want to play you a clip from Dave Perry, who's a real uh, longtime homicide cop, is on this show all the time. Um, and here's how he views the report. I just think that we're heading down a slippery slope with this particular report. And if we're going to tell people, you know, you don't have to talk to the police and, the, you know, we're going to go, you know, take a, a very sort of strong left turn on on what's been the core values of policing and community interaction and change all of that because of one report, I think we're potentially heading down a, a very slippery slope. Anthony, when when you talk to cops, and they don't generally say it out loud, I mean, they're getting to the point in their job where they don't feel they can do the job properly. So doing anything really beyond writing tickets, they, they just simply, the risks aren't worth it for them. They will, but it's getting to that point. And I commend good people for still entering the police force because I look at what a lot of is going on and I say, why would a good person yeah. enter uh, the police force for a number of these reasons? This idea of the social cost of carding, This has been really brought all out of proportion. Alex, when I was younger, I was carded maybe five or six times. I've never counted an exact tally of it. One is mildly inconvenienced by the phenomenon and left wondering, what is this and why did this happen to me? And it will generally last four to six minutes. The idea that we are having this sort of tearing at our social fabric because of this phenomenon is just nonsense now it seems to be that there was a problem where toronto police were encouraging quotas mm-hmm. where people that had to do a yep. certain a number of carding incidents that's just nonsense because they're pulling them out of their rear and badgering citizens also the judge recommends uh, eliminating the information out uh, after a certain number of years and from a civil libertarian perspective i don't like the idea of there being big files on on mass numbers of citizens so for sure but the idea that you cannot put together dossiers look the whole the whole reason that the fbi was able to take down the clan back in the 50s and then when they got serious about terrorism under Robert Mueller's uh, leadership was because they were doing these 
these dossiers where they're building nexuses of people and and intelligence on them when they where they do not have anywhere near the ability to press charges on them, but they need to bring a dossier of who these guys are and coming and going from different facilities and buildings. That's what this is all about. So, so Paul, this is a big problem because we've got record numbers of shootings in the city of Toronto. You've got this gun violence happening all over the streets. We have a gang Which problem. Has nothing have, to do with carding, by the way. But anyways, well, you know, we we anyways, can have yeah. But going. but what's the answer then? How do you allow cops to do their job and collect the intelligence? Because yes, there will have been abuses. That that happens in every job. But the bottom line is, cops have to be able to go and check on situations based on a hunch. We've they, had you know, a really really rough last twelve months as it relates to gang activity in the city of Toronto. It has almost nothing to do with carding. This is a great red herring out there. And by the way, Mr. Justice Tullock, who I've, I've known for a number of decades now, is a reasonable centrist um, a judge. Um, he's not a left-winger. He's not a right-winger. If anything, I would probably rate him as probably a little bit more pro-police than anti-police and he's a reasonable person basically there is no evidence that is suggesting that we ought to be doing what what went on for the last five to ten years this is nonsense so what we need to do is we need to be doubling down on the gang stuff we need to be putting more money into that we need to be saying this is wrong and we need to be cleaning that up but what we don't need to be doing is having police on the streets harassing people in neighborhoods um, uh, that, uh, that, that, that had gone on before and created an environment that was not, that was toxic and not helpful to community safety. So sorry, not buying this argument. Anthony? And Alex, I don't know what Bob means when he says what went on as if there was all this stuff happening that it was a pretext for all these beatings and assaults. And like I said, you're stopped. Well, you they talk to, to you talk, for a few minutes. All you have to do is talk to some people of color who were yanked time and time and time and time again out. What do you mean by um, yanked, Bob? If they were assaulted, they should call a lawyer and they should be no, pressing no, no, no. charges. But you know what? I have never been carded in my life. And you know what? Well, my my husband has. I mean, my husband's white. Uh, but, but, I, but, but, I, but I know a whole whack of other people who are people of color, who are a friend of mine, yeah. who have been carded dozens of times. So you know what? we got a real problem there in terms of the balance, and that's what I'm saying here. And I think Ju- Justice Tulloch is probably right here. I think what we need to do, though, is acknowledge we do have a problem, yeah. and the problem is a gang problem, and we need to be way tougher on it than we're being today. Alex, you can still do the thing that is called carding without having an official apparatus for carding. This is why this is also a bit of a joke. The police can get out of their vehicle and have a conversation with anyone anytime for any pretext. So a lot of this idea that carding is even some sort of formal phenomenon is is all a bunch of nonsense as well. And, and, and this is what's going to happen. Police are going to continue to do what they need to do sort of off the books. Well, you know, hey, if we can get back to the community policing and at least build relationships through that, I'm all for it. But something's got to change because the headlines that we are seeing constantly, 
are not going to uh, la- they're not going to be able to last for much longer because I think people are reaching a breaking point. You know? And get rid of the quotas, and they yeah, should be sure, using 100%. these more discretionary choices. Because yeah. I mean, I agree with, uh, yeah. with Bob. I know many many black friends who've said that they've been stopped for no yeah. reason, and I know they're not criminals. So obviously, they're not making the best choices in a number of these cases. Yeah, we've had colleagues in our in this business who have had this happen to them. So it, it ha- and it has happened for a long time. But the point is, we got to be able to find some middle ground here to get the problem solved. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Bob Richardson as well as Anthony Fury joining in to weigh off. I want to talk about the Oscars because... Ellen DeGeneres, who nobody can hate, but apparently they're angry at now, uh, is um, going hard uh, to bat for Kevin Hart, who is a friend of hers who was dumped from the show last month after controversial tweets from like a decade ago service revealing homophobic jokes. Well, she came out today on the show. She had him on as a guest and she is pushing very hard for the Oscars to bring him back. Take a listen. So I... I called the Academy today because mm-hmm. I, I really want you to host the Oscars. And they were like, oh, my God, we, we want him to host. We feel like that maybe we, he misunderstood or it was handled wrong or maybe we said the wrong thing. But we want him to host what, whatever we can do. We would be thrilled. And he should host the Oscars. All right. So tonight the Oscars is actually saying, well, hey, all Hart has to do is say the word. Um, Hello. <laughs> I mean, they could have picked up the phone, Anthony, at any time to call him back. But again, now that Ellen is coming out to defend Mr. Hart, now she's getting trolled on Twitter by the haters. Of course she is, because the mob gets in a direction and it goes and it just doesn't stop. It's a perpetual motion machine. I've been tired for a long time of the idea that because of some dumb tweet or Facebook post someone made, their life should be ruined. I've been increasingly uh, frustrated and even more frustrated with the idea that a comedian Mm. should be in this position. Because by nature, they're trying things out with their sets and jokes and ideas. And a lot of them just don't fly and they're dumb. And many comedians, by their nature, flirt with offensiveness. There's this thing called the Comedy Central Roasts that are racist, (laughs) sexist, homophobic, bigoted, etc., etc. And there's a... Uh, and the cast of characters are diverse of all demographics and some of the homophobic jokes are by gay people others are by straight people you know and all this mess of stuff the big problem with Kevin Hart and he says in that Ellen video in that appearance he calls it immature and I think that's right because his jokes were something like if I had a gay son I'd beat him up or something like that I mean that's just not like that's not funny that's just dumb whereas the recent Louis C.K. stuff that he said about transgender people that offended people now that's comedy that's some funny stuff and I don't (laughs) think we should say that any specific topic should be uh, verboten. I, I think what Alan has done is a really classy thing. It reminds me of how Kanye wanted to broker Trump sitting down with Colin Kaepernick to show these guys had more in common than they had apart. And I just like what Ellen's doing. It kind of feels feels good. She says people deserve second chances. And I, I, I get it. And I I think she's a, a lovely person. Yeah, I, I do too. And she's done so much work for, I mean, she really put these issues out when she came out uh, publicly, what, 30, 25 years ago? I mean, it's hard to believe um, now that there was a time when she felt like she couldn't come out. But the bottom line is, Bob, I think, you know, places like the Oscars and that, they're, they're too quick to back down on the, on these ones of twos of people who are outraged. Well, you know, look, I'm, I'm a member of the LGBTQ uh, community too as well. I don't have a problem with this. Yeah. Uh, if if the guy said, look, I said some dumb stuff in my past, and I apologize for that, by the way, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and he wants to move forward and he wants to do things, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, surely to God, we're, we, we, can, we can move forward and allow people opportunities to move forward with their lives, too, as well. 
I agree with Ellen on this one. Um, and uh, I think it's an opportunity to actually build, uh, you know, build bridges. There is an extremist uh, element to the community like there is in any community who will always say, this is terrible, you know, can't be accepted, you know, you know, the person should be burned at the stake, blah, blah, blah. I am not there. Um, I think if the person is showing um, um, uh, that, that they thought that they had made an contrition, error and yeah. they want to move some contrition and they want to move forward, I say that's an opportunity to build a bridge. That's an opportunity to move forward. Let's do it. I, I look at it like that, too, because if you keep screaming at me, or not me in particular, like, the person will stop listening. And after a while, I think we do way more damage when people just tune out and say, I don't care what you stand for. I don't want to know it. I mean, again, that's not building uh, bridges. Yeah, go ahead. I will say, I I don't know enough about his conduct, whether he's done that to build those bridges. I think he has, but I I don't know enough about the, you know, the issue to say that he's done that. If he has, then I think we should move forward. If he hasn't, he needs to do that before he, you know, you move to the next stage. Well, I'm pretty sure the Oscars will be hosted this year by... Kevin Hart. And I would not be surprised one bit if Miss DeGeneres came on stage, too. And I would not be surprised if once again, nobody watched the Oscars, (laughs) so I don't even know why this is an issue anyone is talking about. You you raised this Uh, important issue. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Let's talk about these uh, so-called media influencers or influencers, popular social media stars. Apparently the liberals are paying them to help get their message out. And they've been actively courting people with significant online audiences to help communicate these messages uh, to people that really tune out the regular kind of mainstream media. Is this Bob the wage, wave of the future, or is this paid propaganda that you know blurs the line? You know, as we worry about you know trolls from Russia and all the rest of it. Well, welcome to the um, era of social media. I think it's responsible. I don't have a big problem with it. I think probably every party does it in one way or, or another, mm-hmm. and um, I don't really have a huge uh, huge problem with it. It's something that happens now, and there are huge audiences of people that you just, I'm sorry, can't get through through radio or television because they're not listening to it anymore or they're not watching it anymore. And uh, and you need to be reaching out to people who are are involved in um, in in other forms of social media. So I think. I, I think the Liberal Party are doing it, and I think uh, I suspect other parties are doing it. I'm sure third parties are doing it, and there's really nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is at least be transparent about it, and I don't care what the party is doing it. I would like to know yeah, that if I you're a paid... I would apologize yeah, yeah, for it. Yeah. Uh, I would just say, yeah, hey, we're going to do a whole pile of stuff on the social media front, and uh, we should have been doing more of it uh, earlier on. Uh, Alex, I... I disagree because here's the problem. If you look at it this way, and Bob's totally right, this is the future and this is where all the viewership is headed. Uh, there, Some of the examples in the stories was there's one woman who was something of a, of a lifestyle blogger. And you say, okay, well, she's just a blogger, social media personality. Hold on a second. I know I get described as a, as a Sun Media columnist. I also do a lot of videos that you can find on our YouTube page. And some of those videos, they do gangbusters and they get more ratings than, than, than primetime television networks. And there may be a time in my career where writing is this fun thing I do on the side and I'm just doing these 
these video posts. Now, I'm not a lifestyle blogger, but we have lifestyle columnists. So how would you feel if the Liberal government or Doug Ford or whatnot were paying off, say, a lifestyle columnist or well, they an could automotive be very soon. They columnist the funds now to get their agenda it. going? And then it's just a step where you say, well, they're paying another columnist yeah. at Post Media. Why don't they pay the political well, columnist? there's so a blurred line. There's of not that much be... of a difference between these uh, YouTube celebrities who are being paid uh, to talk about a government issue and, Alex, you and I being paid. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've got to wrap it up. I'll give you 10 seconds, Bob. Yeah, I, I just say caveat M, M, mTOR. I think maybe there should be a little bit more transparency on that. But uh, everyone knows that National Post columnists and Toronto Sun columnists, where they're coming from, so you don't have to worry about that. You mean I'm not getting any money from, from Trudeau? Yeah, no, not, no, you and I are definitely not getting money. Sorry, I'll Anthony. Take it. <laughs> no, yeah, don't say that. All right, guys, i got to leave it there, but thank you. Appreciate it always. Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury joining us here tonight. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.